To the only one shot golf podcast. I'm Jim Gallagher Jr. Don't forget to subscribe to wherever you get your podcast. And special thanks to Steve Azar for allowing us to use this music. You can find Steve at steveazar.com. Don't forget to get your copy of Only One Shot. That's available at Amazon, written by VJ Trollio, the teaching professional at Old Waverly. Well, I told everybody we're going to do a daily kind of diary type thing, uh, or podcast, I should say, each day. And then today is Thursday, opening round of the 86 Masters, and uh, it was quite the day for us this morning. Got off to a start. Everybody's anticipating Tiger, how he would do, uh, get out there. We watched him on the practice area we were doing uh, uh, live from uh, there at the back of the practice area. It was just uh, the, the electricity. It was interesting to watch him in his warm-up. He uh, didn't hit a lot of balls, and, and he said at the end of the round he struggled on the range, but he sure knew how to turn it on uh, after that. He opened with 71, an amazing round, and the electricity, the whole atmosphere was just, uh, it was just unbelievable uh, to have everybody out there and to see him play so well. It's just phenomenal. It's astonishing, and it's hard to put into words just how amazing uh, his comeback, as I call it, comeback three, and to see him go out there. But uh, he got out on the tee, and he played for first couple holes, and at 11 o'clock or so, we had a special guest come in, to live from it was Jack Nicholas, the six-time champion here at the Masters. So I was just uh, thinking Steve Sands was going to do the uh, the uh, the interview himself, and it was all four of us with Mark Rolfing. So we sat there and 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 we asked some questions. Mark asked him if he was nervous on the first tee, and he you know he said I hit it pretty good on the range. I haven't played really all year, and and uh, you know I kind of pushed one out to the right and and uh, teasing Gary whether he out hit him or not. And then Tom Watson hit a beautiful tee shot. So uh, it was a cool moment. He kind of relived that and. And uh, it came to me, and I, I asked the question, if you've had so many great moments, is there a, a moment or uh, that really kind of stands out, uh, or was it the hole-in-one by your grandson that, that really kind of stands out to you? And his uh, uh, response, he paused for a second, he said, you know, with all due respect to my six wins, uh, but when your son or your grandsons do something uh, that's more special to you than if you did it yourself. And, and GT's hole in one a couple of years ago was very special. And, and he kind of laughed because because I couldn't do anything special that day. But remember that, remember that moment. And, and I remember when we had Barbara Nicholas on the podcast, she said that one of the things that was really Jack thought of was special was to see GT make that hole in one and just that moment they had together. And, and I, I think you see that as Jack has gotten older. And he's always been a family guy. He's one of the special guys out there he would have a a son have a a football game on friday now he had the ability to do it he would fly in watch the game go back to the tournament he just never missed anything he wasn't gone from home very often Uh, or i think barbara said every maybe two weeks in a row at the most and uh probably the one of the best at preparing and and mentally that we've had since you know now tiger woods so uh, it was great to see that a few more questions went by uh and i think one of the we had it was kind of cool uh uh, we, I think Steve asked him, when you look at your six wins, uh, are you reminded of the, which one was first? Or uh, if you put it in a time frame, are all of them equal? I mean, do you separate them? And he kind of thought it for a second. He goes, every one of them special. 
uh, when they happen. He said 1961, he came in as an amateur and, and came close there. And then in 62, wanting to play well, felt like he was playing well and didn't, finished uh, right there at 40, 14th. And in 63, he won. And he said it was kind of an odd year. And I remember the uh, stories told that before we had an injury in his hip and had a bunch of injections in his hip, uh, and he couldn't play against that hip. And he said he'd always played a left-to-right shot. He said because of his hip and not being able to get to that side, he had to play a right-to-left shot. And he said that was a good thing for here because I had to learn how to play a right-to-left shot. He said he'd never played one, and he ended up winning the tournament. So I thought that was kind of interesting to see him kind of completely change shot pattern like that and then go on to win uh and he said you know it was similar a uh, situation as this year really wet third round was terrible rain as as we've had here the last couple of days he said but they played in it and it was survival uh and he said it was just amazing there and he won again in 69 uh, or i shot 69 in the final round in 65 and one he shot 271 which was uh, an amazing score. And he said the next year they got there and the greens were hard, the fairways were long, and the course played dramatically different and much harder in 288 won, 17 shots difference. So that's the things you can see uh, at Augusta. I think we're going to see that today with some good scoring opportunities. The guys had some good scores. Greens were receptive. Interesting to hear Scotty Scheffler say the greens were, or the fairways were firmer than he thought they'd be. But this was the day to score. Uh, like I said, we've seen some good scores. Cam Smith made a double on his first hole, double on his last hole, and shot 68. But we saw some good scores, and I think it's only going to get tougher. Wind picked up about 1 o'clock, blew pretty hard, but tomorrow it's going to blow at least that and, and probably be about 20, de- 20 degrees cooler. So could see a situation like uh, Jack said where it's just a, a matter of survival as we go on. And we talked about, you know, how do you play the golf course and how do you challenge a golf course with, you know, aggressive. And, and he basically said, uh, you know, you don't have to challenge this course. You don't have to go after these aggressive shots. You can play somewhat conservatively. He said, but there's six key shots around Augusta National. And that's the tee shot at two. He said, you can't go left or you're going to get a plane ticket home quickly. Uh, and he says, he said, I can't understand why people quit going down there, but they go down left and, you know, they just don't come out of there without a big number. And he said, you know, you play the rest of the front nine, it's pretty normal. Uh, and then the next uh, shot that was important is the second shot at 11. We know how tough that shot is. Probably going to be even tougher this this year uh, with the changes, the lengthening of it. They straightened it out a little bit, but just uh, the, the, the there's no bailout to the right by the, by the green. I, and I think that's something we'll look for as, as we continue on. And you go to the next shot, uh, the next hole, the tee shot at 12. And, and he, he was reliving two years ago when Tiger got up there, and he said these guys kept trying to hit you know, right to left shots or keeping it right there, and they kept hitting it in the water, hitting these little floaters. And he said Tiger got up there, he had a little left to right shot right on the green, and he, he told Barbara, he said, this tournament's over. He's winning because he played the proper shot, the conservative shot. He didn't go at the, the whole location was over on that right, which you kind of get sicked into, and he just didn't do that. Uh, the next shot that was important was the tee shot at 13 and the second shot at 13. Uh, key shots around there. And then he said the final place is the second shot at 15. So this six shots really stood out as is the, the, the holes that he thought were the, or the shots that were most important around these holes. Uh, a couple more questions were asked. And then I asked him, as I do all my guests on the podcast, is what separates that elite player? What do they have inside that makes them so elite? You are an elite player, uh, but what what is it? And he said it's preparation, quite frankly. And that was an interesting answer. I've never had that answer. He said, you know, you don't think, I don't think these guys prepare, is what he told us. He said, I came in the week before the tournament, played four rounds, and I'd shoot a score. I try to shoot a score. Sure, I hit some other shots too, 
but I got to get myself to believe that I could shoot 275 or 276 on this golf course and put it in my head. He said, how did I do that? How did I put it in my head? I did it by doing what I talked about in those six holes, those six key shots, and then practicing that and getting to those holes where they're dangerous and knowing there are shots to play and not to play that will put you in trouble. Uh, and, and that's how you prepare. And, and he said, that, you know, if you prepare, you're not nervous. You have a game plan that you're going with, and you go out and play. If you go out and try to do something else, then you're going to get yourself in trouble. But if you try to do it, you won't get nervous. You're ready to play. You have a game plan. He says, I see so many people and players get out there, they don't have that game plan, and they're not ready to play. Uh, the last thing I told him is, as I said, he may not remember, and he did remember, is, is uh, I was coming in from Williamsburg uh, from the tournament there and, and going to St. Andrews for the Open, and he was on the first tee, and he had three clubs in his hand. And uh, I think it was Pandel Savick, his good friend, was out there with him. And, and my caddy says, you got to go join him. And, and I said, okay. So we walked out there, and we actually walked the practice round at St. Andrews. And he, I told him, you literally taught me how to play San Andrew, St. Andrews. And, uh, you know, you would get up to a certain hole, and he said, go over here. And I'm going like, what? And then the wind would switch, and I go, oh, I understand now. Um, and, and I thought that was just wonderful for him to share that with me. And that's what we were talking about, how these veterans, even at Augusta National, teach these younger guys. And they, they kind of pick their brain and wondering, you know, what they were thinking, what places to hit the ball and where not to hit it. And, and, I, and I thought that was really cool that I got to do that with him. And, and uh, you know, I, I told him as we ended it up that, uh, you know, he has been so helpful to me, not because he was just sitting there, and it was, he's helpful throughout my whole career. He gave me a chance to play and practice at Frenchman's Creek when I didn't have anywhere to play when I was first on tour. Uh, and he's always treated me and treated everybody with respect, win, lose, or draw. And I've always been a fan, and that's why I've always admired him. And he kind of had that little sweet little wink and, and, and smile on his face. And so I just thought it was the coolest moment I've had doing TV and, and to be part of the the, the live from team has been special, but today took it to a whole nother level. Uh, to be able to sit there, spend time with Jack Nicholas, I think he probably gave us 15 minutes or so. We saw Barbara in the background. She was smiling and, and everything. And it was just, we had some really cool moments, some pretty funny moments. Uh, and I think Steve asked him one time, you know, about Tiger. He said, you know, he's got five wins. Do you cheer for him? Are you against him? And he goes, he told a story about Gretzky and, and someone was going to try to beat Gretzky's uh, uh, records. He goes, that's why they have records and blah, blah, blah. And Jack says, you know, I'm rooting for him. Uh, you know, I'm rooting for him to get to six, but I'm not rooting for him to get to seven. And we all just kind of laughed. And, and I thought that was really funny. And he kind of ended, I think at one point, he said, you know, I never really wished anybody good luck. He said, I didn't want them to have luck. I wished them to play well and do, do their best, but I never wished them good luck. And I thought that was kind of a funny uh, part that he brought up there, but it was a cool day. Uh, I actually got down to the merchandise tent and, and got in there and got some stuff for the kids. And and, and I'm finishing up watching uh, the Masters now. A lot, like I said, a lot of good scores. It was a memorable day for me. Uh, and Tiger Woods, 71, hasn't played in so long. Coming out of that terrible accident, comeback three is uh, in motion, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing. Uh, like I said, a lot of low scores out there today. We're going to see uh, some tougher conditions tomorrow, some windy conditions, cooler temperatures. We'll see if these guys can handle it. 
and uh, it, it's going to get tougher as the week goes on. Maybe a week of survival, as Jack said. But uh, you know, I, I, it played the way I thought it did, other than maybe the fairways were firmer. But uh, it's going to be a fun Masters. It's wide open. So many players can win, and I look forward uh, to each day bringing you kind of my thoughts and kind of the special moments in my day. And I appreciate you listening. And you got to remember, whether it's life or golf, you may have only one shot. You got to make it count. Thanks for listening, and we'll be with you tomorrow. And uh, you all have a good day. 